Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr, and tonight I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky, Chickren on Tumblr. Kama. I am Kama, Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Eon. Hi, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And returning guest, Mo. Hi, this is Mo, and I'm Useful Spinster on Tumblr. So a quick spoiler warning uh, Spoiler warning for tonight. Um, we'll be spoiling possibly and probably all of Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> Just in general. Um, <laughs> so tonight we're moving on in Cat's chapters in A Clash of Kings with Catelyn Three, And the chapter starts with Cat and her entourage arriving at the Siege of Storm's End. While she waits for Stannis and Renly to arrive at the meeting place, Cat reflects on the legend of Storm's End. And we start out the chapter with this rather lovely bit of world, of world, be, world building that I wanted to read. Excuse me. The song said that Storm's End had been raised in ancient days by Durin, the first Storm King, who had won the love of the fair Eleni, daughter of the sea god and the goddess of the wind. On the night of their wedding, Eleni had yielded her maiden head to a mortal's love and thus doomed herself to a mortal's death. And her grieving parents had unleashed their wrath and sent the winds and waters to batter down Durin's hold. His friends and brothers and wedding guests were crushed beneath the collapsing walls or blown out to sea. But Eleni sheltered Durin within her arms, so he took no harm. And when the dawn came at last, he declared war upon the gods and vowed to rebuild. Five more castles. Oh, go ahead. I was just, whenever I was reading this, all I could think was all the married people out there that think their in-laws are bad, just look at (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking... Like what is what like Eleni really got the shaft? Like normally, it's you know the mortal that marries the immortal gets to be immortal, not the other way around. (laughs) There's 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 a precedence in in you know uh, fairy tale and stuff for that. It's kind of like a reverse Little Mermaid in a way too. Well, actually, actually, it's not really reverse. (laughs) It's the real Little Mermaid is quite horrible and grim. I mean, not the Disney (laughs) version, but the. Sorry, let's bring everybody down. <laughs> Fucking hands, Christian Anderson. <laughs> so as Cat stands, you know, before Storm's End, she, you know, she notes that even at, you know, eventually Durin builds a castle that withstands the gods, and Storm's End still stands today. And we hear it's like this ridiculous description: eighty foot thick walls, a completely smooth face, and then a giant drum tower said to look like quote a spiked fist atop an upthrust arm. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> it's like sometimes I feel like George was like inspired by heavy metal album covers because <laughs> this feels like a heavy a heavy metal album cover to me. Oh my god, it totally does. Maybe some um, little velvet or <laughs> yeah. Well, and it gets it gets worse because Stannis arrives, and it, the first thing we hear about him is he's wearing this red gold crown shaped like flames, which you know is pretty kick ass crown, and his belt is all reds and golds and oranges. 
but otherwise he's dressed pretty pretty plainly and a red priestess you know who we all know as Melisandre come carries a standard and yeah I mean think about like standard like Stannis in his flaming crown with this red woman carrying his banner like he literally is a heavy metal singer coming to <laughs> coming to the front he's like a CPA dressed as a heavy metal singer <laughs> <laughs> so Stannis rock concert what was that he's one of, he's like one of those dads at like the rock concert that <laughs> they're still like so cool like 30 years later with his dad jeans <laughs> yeah. oh my his god, god. Concert t-shirt. <laughs> so stannis and cat engage in some super awkward small talk and Stannis complains to Cat about Robert's treatment of him, and all I can think of reading it is, you know, as if Cat gives a fuck at all about that. And then even more galling is he actually seems to blame Ned for the fact that Ned was named Hand of the King over him. And Stannis, oh, God, like, you know, like, I love, I love how petty Stannis can be, and like how he just never forgets a slight ever. Like, it's the greatest. And, like, the way that he starts in with the, like, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry that Ned died. He was no friend of me, but but he did do his duty. Like, you know, like, just can't not get the digs in. Like, you just kind of have to love that about Stannis. <laughs> He's certainly consistent in his dickishness, you know? I love well, it. Well, I mean, I mean, it's so tied up with, with what happened. <sighs> Uh, we'll get into it, I guess. <laughs> so Stannis eventually promises Cat justice, as well as the return of her daughters if they're found in King's Landing. And to be fair, Cat's kind of a dick back. She starts hassling Stannis about when exactly he plans to take King's Landing, and Stannis just lays it out for her. He needs Renly's army to take the Iron Throne, and he wonders if Rob is thrown in with Renly too. But Cat tells him, and I, I love this quote, that her son bends the knee to no man but holds out the hand of friendship to all. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to slap her at this point, but, you know. (laughs) Just uh, absolutely gagging, I think. And um, Stannis replies, kings have no friends, only subjects and enemies. And then Renly arrives, and you can see George um, wanting to contrast kind of the plainness of Stannis' clothes with Renly, who has his green velvet doublet and a satin cloak, trimmed in ver, which I have no idea what that is. It's fur. Okay. He could have just said fur. Um, <laughs> well, it's a specific kind of fur. The fur of a ver? <laughs> um, wait, I can tell you. And actually, little trivia for you fairy tale, tale buffs out there. Um, you know the Cinderella story? And the glass slipper? Mm-hmm. So... Somebody, when they were translating it, um, made a mistake. The word is there. And it's a specific kind of fur. I think it's, oh, wow, grayish blue blacks of squirrels sewn together with the animal's white underbellies. Okay, well, that's bullshit. Okay, things we didn't need to know. Um, (laughs) So he's wearing a squirrel cloak? Friendly, I loved you. So when they translated it, the word for glass in French is V-E-R-R-E. Yeah. So oh. someone mistook V-A-I-R, which is fur, and turned it into a glass slipper. So she was wearing squirrel slippers. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, fur. You know, really, fairy tales are the worst. My God. Like, 
I don't know. I think that's mermaids, way better. Can you imagine crushing squirrels? your heel if it's glass? Well, right? can you imagine being the poor squirrel who gave his life for those shoes? <laughs> I don't know. I know some people that who hate squirrels, That'd be a lot of squirrels, man. too, because, I mean, that's just the squirrel's belly fur? I think so. Wow. Ugh. Well, okay. Well, didn't Danny have this coat that was given to her as, like, a, a wedding present that's made of, like, mice pelts? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But squirrels so are cute. That. Yeah. Unless they they're invading mice. your home, and then they're evil. Yeah, but... <laughs> So now I hate Renly, so I don't, I don't even know if I can go on now that I know he's wearing a squirrel cloak. <laughs> um, it's political now. Yeah, it's it's serious. Uh, so Brienne is accompanying Renly, and she's carrying a sta- his standard. And Renly notes that Stannis now has his own unique banner, and there's a, a nice a classic little quote. Renly seemed amused by that. All for the good. If we both use the same banner, the battle will be terribly confused. Catelyn said... Let us hope there will be no battle. We three share a common foe who would destroy us all. Stannis studied her, unsmiling. The Iron Throne is mine by rights. All those who deny that are my foes. The whole of the realm denies it, brother, said Renly. Old men deny it with their death rattle, and unborn children deny it in their mother's wombs. They deny it in Dorne, and they deny it on the wall. No one wants you for their king. Sorry. Stannis Stannis clenched his jaw, his face taut. I swore that I would never treat with you while you wore your traitor's crown. Would that I have kept to that vow. <laughs> Which I love that whole like conversation between them. Oh, I love I love Renly. I miss I miss Renly when he dies. <laughs> I really do. Spoilers. This chapter I mean, like, makes me hate him though. So why? I mean, like you just because he's have such to a creep and he makes fun of Shireen and it's like dude. He does make fun of Shireen, but he's making fun of he's more making fun of this this rumor that Cersei's starting to, or trying to start, don't you think? Yeah, I guess it's just they're all at their worst together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. anytime the Baratheon brothers get together, it's they're at their worst, and it it's just dude. Why didn't we get a scene with all three of them together? At that the would same have been time? so awesome. Why didn't, we, why didn't we get a scene in the show, at least, of Tywin, Tyrion, Cersei, and Jaime all together? Did they never do that? No. No. no I wanted, my, my dream wish was to have a dinner party, a Lannister right. dinner party, and I never got that, and I'm still bitter. I feel like you could write that fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, saying. I probably could, but, you know, I, I wanted it with, like, the actors and right. stuff, and, yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to give a little personal story. My sisters and I and a friend of mine were on a trip last week. And at one point, and I feel like my sisters and I also bring out the worst in each other. And there was a point where one of my sisters <laughs> said to me, you are a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if I was the Stannis or the Renly in this situation, but clearly I was one of them. I mean, there are no fights like sibling fights. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Yep. Because they're like, I don't know if any of you are fans of The Amazing Race, but I always loved the sibling teams it. because they can fight. They can fight in ways that like a couple can't fight in it, fight in and that a parent child would never fight in and that friends, you know, wouldn't be friends if they could fight in. Like they can just right. kill each other. And yet, you know, they're still going to be there the next day, except in well, you know, yeah. this case. <laughs> This one particular case. <laughs> it's set up so well. It's one of my favorite relationships. Um, I mean, and even though we never really do see the three of them together, Robert, Renly, and Stannis, I mean, you know, when you know the backstory and when you figure out, like, what drives them, it's it's just so well done because it's that, 
I mean, you know, it's that Stannis and, and Robert saw their parents drown. It's that Stannis resents Ned because his brother, you know, got to leave and he got stuck, you know, back at home with Renly. It's that they were there during the siege. And then Robert came in and was the big hero, even though Stannis is the one who kept everybody together. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Um, it's the slight that, you know, that Robert gave um, Storm's End to Renly to, you know, basically stick it to, to Stannis. Stick it to Stannis. Yeah, he was trying to stick it to Stannis. I mean, like. But it's like I that kind of level. I mean, it's, it's done it at such a global level. But at the same time, that is this that's the shit that siblings do to each other. It is. Well, yeah, if you have a dysfunctional family, I guess. But yeah. I love it though. I mean you it's have to awesome. love this. You have to love it. So Kat tries to, you know, Kat pretty much vainly tries to get them to come together against their common enemies, but they're having none of it. And Renly's idea of a compromise is that he demands that Stannis swear allegiance to him. And Stannis, of course, simply states that he's the rightful king. And Kat asks him how that can be when Joffrey, Tommen, and Marcella stand between him and the throne. And Renly fills her in on the twincest rumors, and it feels like Kat is literally the last person in Westeros to find out about this. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> Reading her reaction, I'm almost a little embarrassed by it. Um, that, you know, she didn't hear about this at all. And, um, you know, Renly doesn't even really seem to believe it. But, you know, as Stannis expands on the story, explaining how he went to John Aaron with his suspicions and how John Aaron then died, it all matches up nicely in Kat's head with the tale that Lysa told her back at the Eyrie. And, you know, yeah, Renly's... I mean, oh, go ahead. Do you or think just, that... I mean, no. Stannis claims that he couldn't have gone to Robert with this. And I do think that initially Robert would have been, like disbelieving but i think it's the kind of thing that it, once somebody tells you that you go oh wait a second you know what i mean robert do you think he's i think i i think that he was afraid to but i think deep down you know what robert's reaction kind of would have been he would have been happy it was his out <laughs> you know robert talks about how he would he'd love to go off to the free cities and be the sellsword king but you know he can't leave the kingdom to joffrey but it creates such a mess, though. Oh, if yeah, it's true, right? I mean, I mean, like, and like, whoever it is, who is it that says that that Robert would have just beheaded Cersei? It's like he might have in a fit of pique, but can you imagine what would have happened if he had? I mean, can you imagine what Tywin would do? I mean, I don't know. It's 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 funny to think what would have happened, mm-hmm. but I mean, it would we we would have had the same war regardless. Yeah, it would be to- it would be really messy, messy, really messy. Oh, yeah. I mean, so Renly, you know, Renly is listening to all this, and basically his reaction is, you know, so what? I got a bigger army. <laughs> um, and in the midst of their tense conversation, he pulls out a peach, and um, I got to read this, you guys. I'm sorry. Would you like one, brother? Renly asked, smiling. From High Garden. You've never tasted anything so sweet, I promise you. He took a bite. Juice ran from the corner of his mouth. I did not come here to eat fruit, Stannis was fuming. My lord, Catelyn said, we ought to be hammering out the terms of an alliance, not trading taunts. A man should never refuse to taste a peach, Renly said as he tossed the stone away. He may never get the chance again. Life is short, Stannis. Remember what the Starks say. Winter is coming. He wiped his mouth with the back of his hand. And 
you know, it's a great passage as written, and of course, you know, later on in the story, it's just heartbreaking when Stannis reflects back on it. Um, so I don't know enough about medieval clothing, but where exactly would he be storing this peach? I've never understood this. <laughs> the peach holster. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little pouch made out of squ- made out of a squirrel. Here in my peach pocket. <laughs> I think though, wasn't there something that um, talked about how like older fashioned clothes had a lot of pockets because people had to carry, like there weren't people carried everything so like ladies um like ladies dresses had a lot of pockets and like you know utility belts more or less right oh okay yeah that sounds why, right why did we move away from pockets is my question i know i think it was to keep women down and then yeah um bring that, pockets see, that's, back. Why, that's why women's you know pants pockets are a lot smaller than men's pants pockets when they're not sewn together yeah yeah buy a purse Right. I thought it was right. because women were, you know, women, we must be so vain that the extra fabric required to sew us a pocket would send us over the edge. <laughs> Brother. Sorry. <laughs> we're going to get mail for this. <laughs> I came here for Talk a song of ice and fire, not your feminist bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you came to the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this just keeps getting worse. Renly confesses, and you know, remember, Stannis is literally right there. He confesses that he never likes Stannis, but he offers him Storm's End for his support. And Stannis, in turn, mocks Renly's marriage to Marjorie, noting that in his bed she's going to die a virgin. Renly insults. Yeah. Renly, you know, insults Elise and implies that Patchface is really Shireen's, um, Shireen's father. And Stannis draws a sword, which seems to shimmer with heat. And, you know, Cap prevents them from coming to actual blows. And as Stannis calms down a bit, he offers Renly his old seat in the small council and to make him his heir until Stannis has a son. This is the part that pissed me off. Like, Shireen just completely gets shafted at this point. Like, yeah. really, Stannis? Yeah. Like, you're yeah, Mr. Really Mi- yeah, it's well. like, you're Mr. The Throne is mine by right, and you're ready to, like, screw Does Shireen? Your daughter? Yeah, like, that's bullshit. Well, although if he, you know, if you consider what he just said about his brother... I mean, yeah. The but implication I mean, is that, I, although I don't think that's accurate in terms of, I'm sure Renly could get an error on someone if he had to. Right, and then but. I mean, and I also assume that you know Shireen would be wed to someone you know friendly with the Tyrells, let's say. Um, I, I just know. wish that Catelyn would have grabbed them both by the ears <laughs> or given them a clout <laughs> to the ear. Yeah. <laughs> Where but instead, she kind of ends up tussling with them. You know, it's like, Catelyn always sits back and goes, oh, we can't let this come to war, or, you know, something high-minded. And then she kind of goes and gets right in the middle of it herself, which she does here. I mean, uh, there was nothing that could have rectified this. I mean, like, Renly is sitting there saying, look, <laughs> number one, I didn't know that Joffrey wasn't Robert's kid. And number two, I don't care. I still am declaring myself king. I don't care that you're ahead of me. I don't care that they're ahead of me. I mean, Renly was just going to do this regardless, and, like, he had the the strength to back him up, so why would he ever have stopped? I mean, like, well, and I there mean, was just no compromise. Except the thing is, is that the offer that Stannis gives Renly is actually a really good offer. I mean, Stannis is. is getting up there, they haven't had another kid. If he's going to be... His wife isn't getting any younger. Right, She's, like... 
you know? You know, he would he would be the heir. And, you know, a little bit of poison some point down the line. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Except that Renly's the one who went out and actually, like, rounded up the, basically, the, the forces to make this happen. I mean, you know, Stannis walks off with half of them after this. But, I mean, like, you know, Renly is the one who made it all, like, come together. Well, that's I mean, great. He's being a good brother. <laughs> that's, you know, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, like, but, you know... The, the the thing that, that Renly says at the beginning is so accurate, and we see this play out <laughs> throughout the rest of the story. Like, people just don't want Stannis for their king. You almost have to get to know Stannis to, to want to serve him. When you do, you adore him and you do anything for him. But anyone who knows him from with beyond that level just does not like him, does not want to support him, and will actually commit treason to avoid having him as the king. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Well, and he does have problems. I mean, he's not... I mean, I love the guy. I love the character immensely, but he is not without, you know... Yeah. Even Davos, who is his number one fan, you know, quite often, you know, sees the problems. Well, Davos has to keep falling back on the fact that you know, he owes everything to Stannis yeah. to, to keep convincing himself to put up with the crazy things that Stannis does. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Stannis stan, too. But, I mean, like, you understand why, number one, Renly does not want to serve Stannis. I completely understand that. And, number two, you understand why the rest of these lords didn't want to. I mean, a lot of them, you know, these are these are lords from the Stormlands and, you know, lords from the Reach. They all know Stannis. <laughs> so well, I mean, is not they're Florence who are who are fighting for Renly, and that's like you know that those are his it's in-laws. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know he's a dick. I mean that's the thing. He's, <laughs> he's just so funny though. It's so he's funny hilarious. in that of all of the portrayals of Stannis, the one that I come back to is. Do you guys remember that? It was like Game of Thrones high school, like. It was like a high school parody. And like that, Stannis and Renly are like the closest Stannis and Renly that I've seen. I agree. What what happened? Why did they stop making that? Like they only did one season. It was so good. I don't know why they never made more. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, yeah, those, you know, they're just little dicks to each other. And I mean, Stannis was completely unpleasant. And so was Renly. And yeah. It's funny, though, because I think we look, you know, having read the whole saga, we look back on Stannis with, like, all this affection, and then you read him here, and it's, like, like you know, terrible. Oh, I think as, if you keep reading him, I mean, he's always like this. <laughs> he doesn't change. I mean, it's just, you know, this. I mean, the more he, you know about him, maybe that does. colors the perception. But then we're like those characters who have served him, who come to know him. It, it's it's like we are, you know, that's that's exactly it. You have the surface view of him, which is what everyone in Westeros mostly does. And then you have the people who really know him. And those are the people who really have this affection for him. Well, yeah, I mean, like, what what is most off-putting about Stannis, right, in, in interpersonal communication, let's say, is that he is so rigid and so unyielding, and he wants everything to be right. You know, he wants, you know, he basically wants all of society to do exactly what it ought to do, and when it doesn't, he's unhappy and cannot hide that unhappiness. And right. the level of power that he has means that that this personality of his becomes a huge problem and 
the, the reason that we end up loving him is because we stick with him through the story and we see that these principles that we, he has, even though there are some, some places where he kind of deliberately yeah. blacks some things out to live with them, these are principles by which he lives. And when you see him hold true to his own principles and, you know, show up at the fucking wall and save the day, then you understand why people love Stannis and you start to love him too, because he fucking sticks with what he believes in. Right. But I mean, you can completely understand why anybody who has to deal with him on like any sort of negotiation or, or day-to-day basis doesn't want anything to do with him. You totally get it. You see it here. Well, I have someone in my life who kind of reminds me of Stannis and it drives me absolutely batty. But at the same time, I, I, you know, there is something admirable about that I'm going to stick to my principles and everyone should, and these are my standards. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm exceeding them and you have to at least meet them. It's just really frustrating to like exist with that when you're not that type of person. Yeah. <laughs> so I do yeah, get which it. Who is. Yeah. I feel a little cheated that we never see Stannis on the small council. Like it would have been really kind of fun to see him having to deal with Varys and Littlefinger, like just these people oh, that yeah. you know would have, I mean, driven him insane in his time. Ima- imagine how Littlefinger must have just constantly been playing with Stannis, and oh, Stannis yeah. may not have even known. I mean, I mean, I kind of imagine Littlefinger missing Stannis terribly when Stannis left because he would have <laughs> been like his favorite plaything. You know what I wanted? I once I found out in Game of once you know they talk about it in Game of Thrones, and when I did the reread, they talk about. You know, Ned discovers that Stannis and John Aaron were visiting brothels. <laughs> and after you meet Stannis, I'm like, you know, I want that. I, uh, that just sounds like. And I mean, we don't know a ton about John Aaron, but he doesn't sound like he'd be the kind of guy to be, you know. So you got these two. <laughs> I, it just. That's comedy gold, and we never oh, got yeah, it. Oh yeah, like Stannis <laughs> getting a lap dance, and he's he's grinding his oh, teeth. Oh god! <laughs> all all in the name of of the realm. <laughs> so, getting us back into the story a bit, Renly, you know, Renly again points out that he vastly outnumbers Stannis, and you know, Stannis should just kind of get with the program. And Stannis says, we shall see, brother. And then there's an interesting quote that I hadn't caught before, and I'm wondering if you guys think this is prophetic at all. Some of the light seemed to go out of the world when Stannis slid his sword back into its scabbard. Come the dawn, we shall see. Um, what do you guys, that just, you know, we know it's not really Lightbringer, right? But right. did George know that at this point? Or, you know, is this prophetic of, you know, some of the light, goes out of the world when Stannis, you know, un- when Stannis sheathes his sword is this kind of an idea of Stannis kind of being the first to fall in, you know, an eventual like war for the dawn. Well, hasn't that been one of the theories running for, you know, god, all the fucking Azor high theories, but I think one of the theories is that Stannis is one of the early like some people think that that George is running through the versions of Azor Ahai and Stannis is one of the early ones who, you know, just doesn't pass muster. But I don't know. It's funny. It's funny with his version of Lightbringer because people do have really negative reactions to it. And, and it's 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 beyond just not believing that it's, you know, 
a truly flaming sword. I mean, a lot of them have been exposed to Thoros of Mir having the, the burning sword and everything. So this is not something they've never heard of. But um, you, you see a lot of people, who is it? Um, well, Ma- Maester Aemon has a, a poor response like, when he's, he who is it? He asks Sam. Yeah, yeah, Sam. Like, was it warm? You know, I mean, there's, there is something about this sword that seems off, not just because it's a fake, but you, you kind of wonder, you know, what what you know orphan soul did melisandre right. sacrifice to create this thing or is it um, just being glamored you know yeah or, i don't know doesn't well, um I, i'm so confused now between book and show but i could swear that there's something with um gendry or somebody maybe not gendry but somebody talking about the, one of the swords, like Thoros' sword, like yeah, it, Gendry talks about Thoros. It, sword. It, you know, like he knows. So almost like you know, like a magician who somebody who knows how a, a magic trick is done. You know, like they they get yeah. that the principle behind it, and they're never going to be on board because they've they've seen how the Pepper's Ghost illusion works or whatever. Mm-hmm. They understand. Mm-hmm. I was I was thinking it's. It's a glamour because wasn't there like mention of any jewels on the hilt or yeah, on his, the guard? Oh, yeah, sorry, there's a giant jewel. ruby on his belt. You're right. There you go. It's a glamour. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, I do think there's still something about the light going out of the world. You know, like that's that's sort of like the exact language I almost expect to see at some point late in the story. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, and isn't they were, it also they were Dawn like, in there too, right? Yeah. Or, or I mean, it's well, it's I mean, it's you know they're all marching towards these the series of events. You know, every decision they make kind of brings them close us all closer to this this conflict that eventually, if he ever finishes these books, we will face. And it's like. <laughs> It's uh, it's sorry. I always it's have to slam it, it when I have the option. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like okay, Stannis and Renly not making some sort of deal. That's it. You know, that's one more step closer. Although honestly, I don't know how Stannis could have accepted Renly's deal. No, there either. was no deal to be made. Like no. there was never a possibility of a deal for either of them. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. It could it could be yeah. foreshadowing something. I mean, it is it is funny the way that it's written. Um, I don't know. I think George must have already known this wasn't the real Lightbringer at this point. But who who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? So Stannis leaves, but Melisandre lingers for a moment and warns Renly to look to his own sins. And after they leave, Renly is talking to Cat, and he seems pretty cold blooded to me about likely killing his brother in the morning. And he thinks that Stannis will be a terrible king while he, in turn, is just, you know, really particularly suited to the throne. And, you know, what do you guys think? Like, I think we've, you know, we've talked about Stannis' good points and bad points, and, I you know, it's Renly's one of those rare characters that I feel like sometimes when a character dies early in a story, you almost romanticize, or, you know, people, like mm, real people, mm-hmm. you romanticize um, the good parts of them. But I feel like with Renly, it's almost the opposite. Like, we just remember kind of his flaws we don't necessarily really think about you know hey would he have been a good king or not oh yeah i mean like because my personal point of view i think renly would have been a great king i mean like he he clearly has the yeah he clearly has the statescraft that his brothers utterly lacked i mean on his own he put together this little coup that he's throwing together 
Well, um, and but people how much of that him. was? How much was that? Was were his in-laws, and how much of that? But his was in-laws him? aren't going anywhere. I mean, come on. Do you feel like Renly isn't pulling his own strings in the book? I know the show kind of implied that Loras was the one who came up with the idea, but I don't. No, think no. So I mean, but like, how much of that is? Let's say. I don't know. I don't. I think, like, in a certain. Finish your point, though, because I'm interrupting. And I, well, I, don't... well I, I just, you know, like, not only does he have the the skills at 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 you know interpersonal dealings that Robert had, and and the ability to make people love him that Robert had, but he has a little bit of Stannis's ability to actually run things because we see him do that when he puts this together. Now, of course, Cat notices that Renly you know, let his forces get split in half and his his haste to get to Stannis. But then on the other hand, what strategic difference does it make if he has 100,000 or 50,000 troops with him against, you know, the five that they think that Stannis, you know, I mean, like, you know, he, he is a little bit rash. He clearly has, you know, some issues. And, you know, we know he can be cruel because of, of how cruel he is to Brienne. But I mean, in reality, of the people that we see leading... He seems to be the most able to to kind of get a consensus among people. I mean, like nobody could get a consensus with Stannis, so I, I don't necessarily count that against his you know statecraft ability. I feel like he's a pretty good politician, and he's charismatic. People like him, so I mean, I think he would be Robert, but much better, much actually doing some of the leading on his own as opposed to Robert, who just pretty much let John Aaron do everything. So yeah, no, I think he would have been a great king of the options available to us. I mean, like I think he definitely would have been like the best i mean like you know i love john and everything but i mean runley's been in the middle of everything in king's landing he actually knows how things work and i mean god yeah i guess realize anything in this day and age it's that if you don't have a fucking clue how to do things it really can tear things apart for a country so i I mean that's something in and of itself he's like i think he'd be fine in a peacetime situation i don't know if he's the guy you want making and not just going to battle, but is he the guy you want making? Like, you know, it, it's not just enough to win a battle. It's like a, almost like a civil war analogy. It's not just to be a great Confederate general. It's like you got to be able to make all the hard calls to stay. At, I don't see him I think as he that. can be, though, because I think he, there is a bit of cold-bloodedness to him that I think, you know, a leader in a crisis needs, you know, to to you know who to sacrifice, who to, I mean, and Rob, you know, Rob deals with that too. Like they kind of deal in that calculus of human lives a bit, and you know, I guess Stannis as well. So I mean, and is he, he a status well. quo guy or is he a transformative leader? And we know, I mean, because we have the, I mean, his well, job on the council was master of laws. So, I you know, I think he probably is the status quo, but. You know, when the world changes, you know, when there's Danny and Dragons coming. And White Walkers. And White, and White. Walkers, then I don't, you know. Yeah, but the question is Renly versus the other options. And, like, you know, looking at the War of the Five Kings, who's better than Renly? See, I think that's where, as a reader, I there's a divide for me. I mean, there's, like... And now living in a world where I am very much a small folk person about to be, you know, in the Riverlands and get fucked from every which way and not in like a good way. I see things a little differently, but I mean, like as the reader, we know what's coming. And I guess I don't see him as somebody who would be able to to like 
to take it to that next level. But yeah, as a status quo guy, infinitely better than the other options. I mean, but Rob's I, not I, even on the table because Rob doesn't want to be in King's Landing. Rob just wants, well, his father back, his sister's back, and what, go back to the north and rule there as an independent leader. But he doesn't want to be ruling the other seven or six kingdoms. I, but I feel really, like, uh, like Renly's smart enough to surround himself with the right kind of people. Like, like smart enough to involve the Tyrells and in the Stormlands people. And if he was on the Iron Throne, he'd have the right people in a small council. And I don't know. I feel like they would help him in a crisis. I think it's yeah. Well, and like he listens. We see him listening to people. Like he actually listens to Randall Tarley, which is a very smart thing to do in in a time of war. From everything that we've heard. I think it's that Renly has never had to deal with adversity, so we can't say. You know, we can't say how well, what he actually would be like he if has, he's <laughs> but he he did that as a child. Right, I mean, right. That's, that's what I mean. I mean, he personally, you know, he dealt with that, but I mean, he didn't have to. He make hasn't decisions about it. He know, hasn't been in a leadership position, right. I guess. And you know, he could fail, or he could, you know, he could fail, or he would, or he could flourish in it. But sometimes I feel like, you know, as a fandom, we've sort of collectively decided that he would fail i'm like i don't know oh yeah no it's it's funny the consensus in fandom and i'm always just like what are you talking i mean like i love stannis and i agree with what you're saying calm like when you're talking about fighting the white walkers you absolutely need someone like stannis who can make those hard calls who can you know handle a siege like storm's end who who can do those things um but, you know, I mean, like, if you're talking about day-to-day life the, for the good of Westeros, I mean, no, Stannis probably is, is not well, anyone's I mean, idea of that. His plans are to come into, like, I mean, King's Landing and, you know, outlaw prostitution and get rid of all... I mean, all of these things that sort of make everything work there. I mean, yeah. are, which I'm, I'm not advocating, you know, please know me about how I'm so, advocating. Hold on. So you're basically saying Stannis is going to come in and drain the swamp? Oh Jesus! Don't you dare make that no. No, 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 no! I, I, and I, I totally, I He's will go to King the mat with anyone who tries to compare my Lobster King with that oh, man. But no, I think like what Stannis, with what you see with Stannis is what you get, and I don't think. Well, actually, I think that is where people are coming up with this idea, but of comparing him wrongly. Um, (laughs) But I don't think it's like King's Landing seems to need that sort of, it's, it's, it's almost like a Terry Pratchett version. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I think he would, it would be, it would be worse before first, first decades before it ever got better. I mean, he's not wrong with what he, some of the things he wants to do, but at the same time, I don't. He has no enough. charm, or he has no ability to. Um, he doesn't. Have, well, he, he doesn't compromise, right? He doesn't right. have the ability to bring people over to his cause easily, right? Or to, I mean, you know, even make that, them do what they don't want to do. Even that whole discussion with Catelyn, I mean, I mean, she comments in her, uh, there's that interior comment about, like, he says he'll bring her daughters to her, but he doesn't say, you know, Why? alive or dead. I mean, I'm, I. Well, it's funny because, you know, if you asked Rob who, you know, who would Rob most like to actually align with? I mean, he would have picked Stannis 
You know, that's yep. who he, that's yeah. who he's naturally inclined to because you know he, he thinks Stannis, it's you know his throne. He's the oldest, you know, the elder brother, right? And and then you have Stannis who, because of his inability to compromise, is is you know throwing away a possible ally, right? Because he wants to be the High King, just like Robert was of all seven kingdoms. You know, I mean, like, yeah, ah, uh, you know, and this is this this inability to bend with Stannis. I mean, like, it, it's it's reinforced for a reason. I mean, it it is true. I mean, but it has its uses, and that's why we love him. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. God, I love Stannis. He is <laughs> a fave. So and he's so damn funny. I keep forgetting, and I I'm like one of his. I'm one of the biggest stands out there, but I keep forgetting until I reread. Just how funny some of his lines are. No, I actually was surprised at how not funny I found him in this chapter. Like, I well, just this found is him not his dick. best. Yeah, yeah, he was just <laughs> oh, more come of a on. dick than the, anything. The line, the line about Marjorie remaining. Well, yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> I mean, Renly really set him up for it too. You you really need to get into the to the dance with that dragon chapters to truly appreciate. Yeah, that's the true. Stuff with John and Stannis's is comedy gold, but yeah. Um, so, you know, we we head back to Renly's tent, and as I think Chicky mentioned, Kat's pretty critical of Renly's war strategy, and, you know, the problem with splitting his forces in two is that he takes away the option to siege the siegers of Storm's End. So he either has to just let Storm's End try to wait Stannis out, or he has to break um, break the siege with his remaining men. And, you know, that's Matt, Mattis Rowan thinks they should just let Storm's End stand on its own. You know, no one's no one's taken it. No one's going to. But Renly, you know, he really doesn't want people to say that he was afraid to face Stannis. And Randall Tarly agrees that they should fight. So um, Renly's happy and, and they're going to fight. So the battle's inevitable and Kat wants to leave. But Renly tells her that he that she has to give Rob an eyewitness account of his victory. Which, you know, Renly's a little cold... Renly's a little cold-blooded a few times and with Cat alone here. He's definitely trying to impress her with, you know, his power. And he gives out yeah. the commands and he gives the van, the vanguard to Sir Loras and orders Brienne to carry his banner next to Loras. And it's kind of like almost a death sentence for Brienne, isn't it, really? Like, I'm assuming yeah. the standard bearers mm-hmm. don't last very long. Especially not in the vanguard. And especially not, like, six-foot-six ones, you know? Like, she's really yeah. going to stand out. Yeah. And, you know, since she has to part from him, Brienne begs for the honor of arming Renly for battle. And Kat thinks that she loves him so much that she'll play the squire for just the chance to touch him, no matter how much the others mock her about oh, it. Oh, God, it's so fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> and the, she's not that wrong. Little paragraph. Yeah, and just, you know, we see, you know, it's kind of funny. We see Brienne, you know, in these first two chapters that we see her, we see her first, you know, just beating the shit out of these men and being like this badass. And then we see her being, you know, frankly, so pathetic here. We kind of see the gamut of, of who she is almost immediately. But well, you know, she see. just has no artifice. I mean, that that cat is immediately able to spot this in her. Like, you know, Brienne just has no ability mm-hmm. to hide, you know, even for her own protection. And it's just, oh, God. And then, you know, knowing what you know when you get into her head, it just literally just take my heart out and just <laughs> rip it in two. So Renly and Loras leave to pray. And I have that in quotes <laughs> in, my, <laughs> in my notes. And we had... Kat goes to a nearby sept herself in the company of uh, Robert Royce, who's one of Renly's seven. 
and is actually a knight from the Vale, and, and we'll meet him in the next chapter a little bit more. And then she goes back to the start corner of the camp, telling her men about the battle to come and that they should pray. And you know, we end our chapter right there before the before the upcoming battle. So what do you, I mean, do you think, I mean, I feel like if the battle would have happened, Renly just would have, you know, kicked Stannis' yeah, he ass here. And yeah, he, he would have won. won. Then, I mean, the numbers are just too much in his favor, and he has too many good leaders on his side not right. to win, frankly. So then they, you know, Cat, Cat would have galloped back to Rot, you know, galloped back to River Run. Uh, Renly would have moved on King's Landing or moved on Heron, like, well, Tywin was at Heron Hall, so they would have basically isolated Tywin. And then I imagine, I or you think they marched on Heron Hall gone first? To, I I don't know. I think they probably would have gone to King's Landing yeah. if I had to guess. Yeah, and and then Tywin would have basically been completely cut off. Yeah, and then they would take care of Tywin after that. Yeah. I think. I mean, who who knows? You know, I mean, we can play this game. A lot of people have played this game. <laughs> um, you know. It, would it all have been different? Yes, yes, it would have. But, I mean, at the end of it, you still have White Walkers and you still have dragons. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, like, no matter what yeah, happens, but yeah. still, yeah, still kind of the inev- the inevitable is gonna is gonna happen there. And whether or not it's Robert or Renly, I'm pretty sure Danny wouldn't have cared. Right? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah, she- it would have been all the same to her. I don't know. No, it's you know what because. Pretty much any time she's confronted with, and she isn't much, and she certainly doesn't seem to delve too much into, like, doing any kind of listening or reading about Westeros, but it's the usurper. The usurper constantly, yeah. And it's, it's, and, and you Usurper's got. Usurper's dogs, you know. You got people like Jorah Mormont who have no love for, you know, anybody named, St- you know, I, I don't, I don't see her. You don't. I, I, you know, I think to her, it's just one. It's just another brother. It's just another person who's taken her throne. It's, it's not. It's interesting mm-hmm. though because you have like you know the whole Dor- the Dorn. What happens with the Dornish with a King Renly who has totally decimated the Lannisters? You know, kind of takes away their purpose yeah. for revenge and takes away kind of their reason to hitch themselves to, you know, to her. Mm-hmm. Varys's whole game is up. You know, with a mm-hmm. united Westeros, he's out. You know, he's kind of out of it. I don't know what Littlefinger does. I'm sure Littlefinger had already figured out that contingency plan, but maybe. I mean, I guess Renly would be ripe for assassination because then you'd have like utter chaos at that point. You'd have, you know, Shireen maybe, and that's it. So you know, wow. Brienne. It goes. It goes to like we get the Selwyn Brienne scenario at that point. Oh so, no! Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I always think, you know, Renly, I feel like if anyone could have negotiated with Danny at some point, you know, he actually probably would have been able to. I actually mm. agree with that. I think that he's really, I think he could, he could talk and charm Danny. Yeah, but you're, you're talking about people. I mean, that's similar to a Stannis and, and Renly situation because it's like Danny's not going to compromise in taking back Westeros. And, and what is, is Renly going to be content to just go be like the, the leader of the, the, storm the Stormlands lands. again? Maybe. I don't think I mean, so. but, you know, confronted with, I mean, the thing is, here's the, I think this is the difference between Stannis and Renly. Confronted with a bunch of, you know, a, a, a army and ships and three giant dragons, Stannis is going to hold his ground. Confronted I, with the same thing, Renly might not. 
But it's also like, I don't know. All right. It's like, even if you had, let's just say for the moment that Stannis still the older brother, but was willing to bend. He still, there's no way you can, he can accept Renly's offer because he's a dead man. It's, it's sort of like the scenario with, you know, legitimizing bastards or whatever. It just, mm-hmm. I think for Danny, he's a, de- you know, Renly, first of all, I don't think she'd be willing to like let bygones be guy, be bygones. I don't think that's, that's in the cards, but even if it no. is, it's like, you can't leave, you can't have a former king hanging out in your kingdom. So she then he's either got to die or he's got to be exiled. So it's like, or she could marry him. She's he would be married. He's already married. Yeah. So then Tarks you got to figure out. Oh no! Now this is turning into Game of Thrones where there are no rules. Sorry. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't work. I don't see it working. No, it would. It wouldn't have. I mean, and this is you know this is my issue with Danny. I mean, this is why I view her as really the antagonist because she is going to come in and be against everybody that you love in Westeros, and that's just kind of the reality of 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 the role that she plays in the story. I mean, you know, she she does not like anyone from the old guard. And it's not like the original Targaryens who just basically came in with no, there was no personal antagonism there. I mean, they came in and they got, well, yeah, but I mean, it it wasn't like. They just wanted to have sex with their sisters and fly their dragons around. But it wasn't (laughs) like, you know, it was more like, here we are, we're taking over. We will let you rule in, in these lesser like titles, but you'll still have some like. You'll have your money. You'll have your lands. It's less personal than you are, you know, you're related to the people who killed my, you know, my baby sister and my baby brother, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you write, you know, you killed my mother, you raped my knee, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's just, it's way too personal for her. Yeah, and I think yeah. it would be. I mean, I don't see any scenario here where people get to, you know, like the characters we like really get to live. No, this is why I'm always like, like if you think that Jamie is, you know, it would take <laughs> extreme intervention for Jamie to get, you know, something crazy like what the sh- the show is probably going to do to integrate I mean, Jamie into right. any sort of regime that that Danny's running. But I mean, the thing like, is, no. is that they've positioned it so that there could, I mean. There could very well be extreme intervention for Jamie. I mean, they've put the one person that could do it right there. Yeah, but and I don't see this happening. Yeah. In the... Hates him in the books? I don't well, think so. Well, in the so. books, he has those dreams where, like, one head is hating him and the other is crying about it. You know, I mean, I think there's there's a chance. I, I mean, I don't think Jamie, you know, I don't, I don't think Jamie is a survivor at the end of the series, but I don't know that he, he bites it versus... I don't think he bites it versus Danny. I think he. Yeah, I don't think know, he gets the chance to bite it against Danny. <laughs> I think he's, you know, fighting White Walkers at some point. I hope. God. <laughs> I hope I get to just read it. My God. Like, that's all. That's all I'm asking for. I mean, can we just talk for a minute since we're pretty much done with this chapter about the fact that. It's who was February of 2017? <laughs> fucking February of 2000. 17. 
the year of our Lord, 2017, and we still don't have that goddamn book. And we don't even what? know when we're going to get the goddamn book. <sighs> Just, it's, be- I mean, it's because it's the year of the fire rooster. And if you're born in the year of the rooster, this is a bad year. And I was born in oh the God. year of the rooster, so, so it's I. a bad year. Oh, yeah. yeah this is going to be a bad, be- unlucky year. We're supposed to wear a lot like of it. red, I believe. To like red is a bad color. I've, see, I, I was red is I bad. A, red is an unlucky color. That's what I was looking at today. <laughs> no, I was also born in the year of the rooster, and it's it's just not a bad. It, it's it's not a good outcome apparently. No. So yeah. have they come to snuff the roosters? What we're hearing? Yeah. <laughs> oh God! Must I just googled. Be. Don't Google, guys. Congrats on that one. Go. How, how long you know, you I'm really I'm sitting really on proud that. of my not at all. Oh no, no, happen. red is a lucky color. <laughs> it is? Okay. It is. Oh, well, I, okay. If you're born in the year of the rooster, well this year is a very unlucky year for you. Yeah. So yeah. maybe you should just stop being a fan so the rest of us can read the book. Yes. <laughs> it's it's our fault, so yeah. You and I, it's yeah, our everything. fault. Yeah, Everything red is, is one fault. of the luckiest colors in Chinese culture, standing for prosperity, loyalty, success, and happiness. It can drive away bad luck and evil spirits. Oh. So, Ian, you and I have a mission. Get lots of red. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> yeah, do red. like pink hats count? <laughs> I'm actually knitting one right now. <laughs> oh. Can there you do go. a pink fray hat? I, you know, I could swear I saw patterns. And I know, I think uh, I Heart Dramas, who's been a guest to the podcast, has a fray hat, but I cannot find them now. Okay. Well, that'd be something else we could ask maybe some guests to help, or some uh, commenters and to help us with. Which, Speaking of which, come, I think you have mail tonight? I do. So we got a uh, another review on iTunes uh, titled, Yep, Five Stars by Ooh. Mass Dif- Differ on... And, said lots of laughs and good insight about dragons <laughs> and also hilarious unmuted toilet flush <laughs> oh god uh and you then we got responsibility for that yep <laughs> yeah and then we got a couple of uh tumblr comments um one was from me um, I'm not going to read the whole thing I'm just going to point out that when you were discussing um were there any um noble women who had had bastards you totally forgot about edric storm um whose mother was delena florent who's Celise's cousin and attention deficit aptitude said two things about the last ep she also pointed out the what if question <laughs> ladies and gentlemen if you ever want people to give you feedback or comments make a mistake it's <laughs> like <laughs> That's um, why we get so many comments. <laughs> he was the only one Robert acknowledged because his mother was a Florent. He was also fostered at Storm's End, so I think if Lysa had birthed Littlefinger's bastard, they would have also fostered the kid elsewhere. Also, uh, number two, maybe John McCain is Uncle Kevin. <laughs> you guys had that lovely political comment. Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah. I was sitting at my, at my desk going, maybe it's Biden. Maybe Biden's Uncle Kevin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there has to be an Uncle Kevin, though. I mean, there, you know, every situation in life, you need an Uncle, Uncle Kevin. What? Well, I, I said, hope. I hope they don't get Uncle Kevin. Oh, I know. Like, Uncle Kevin, go back to Casterly Rock. Like, <laughs> maybe, don't, maybe don't wish them to be Uncle Kevin. Yeah. 
And I, um, you know, the Varus, I think we know who it is. So We also <laughs> had a comment from an Anon who said, I'm loving the Catelyn episodes. Do you think the fact that Jamie is mentioned in all three of Brienne's first appearances, the melee, the fe- feast, the parlay, is significant? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're written for each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep, yep, yep. God yep, damn yep, you, yep. stupid New Mexican. I mean, where is it? I need, <laughs> I need that book. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like in every like there'll be a moment of silence and then you're you know like the other day I was driving and I was thinking like you know like he's written them so well for each other that you know even if it's like a day they're going to be so happy that day except it's never going to happen because we're never going to get the fucking book <laughs> it like just like comes down crushing me oh god I just need them to bang that's just all I need <laughs> well <laughs> Just fucking bang. There's always fanfic, I guess. <sighs> I know, I know. Well, you guys were telling me to write a dinner scene, so I'm like, you know, I want those things, and I'm not going to get them. I God mean, you, is it unreasonable of us to think that in February of 2017 we would have had the book by now? Oh, of course not. Okay. Yeah, George. <laughs> like, it's been... Nope. And I mean, I can't even really, you know, I know some people here have been reading the books since far before the show. So I can't even really complain, but I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. George, (laughs) just save us. Just publish what you've got. We don't really care anymore. I mean, yeah, the gist of winter. That's what we, you know, just winter. (laughs) If you could just, you know. Sit down for an interview, two hours, just let somebody ask you all the questions and you answer them. Like, that would be great. You know, you can contact us. We all know you're never going to finish the book. <laughs> so, George, um, you can support our podcast to become a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and you can listen to reviews on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places. And you could find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, or you could even email us at closethedoorand at gmail.com and tell us these things. And if you were going to, we promise we wouldn't share them. We would totally share them. (laughs) We we could even promise George if he wrote the book, he wouldn't even need to become a patron. (laughs) Right. We would probably, like, give him early episodes for free. So um, I want to thank you guys for coming to Stannis Fest 2017 and <laughs> thank we'll be here you know we'll be here all month and thank you all for listening I'm closing the door get out